Buenos dias, buenas tardes, buenas noches, everyone, and welcome to LatinXYC, where we discuss all the good and the bad and the ugly of U.S. politics from a Latino, Latina, and Latinx perspective. Hello, my name is Clemencia Herrera, and I'm the founder of Moyer Studio, a cross-cultural advertising agency that works with progressive political campaigns, organizations, and advocacy initiatives to engage with Latino audiences in an authentic and caring way. Hola, Clem. And I'm Cecilia Del Cid, an environmental and social justice practitioner, Latin American, immigrant from Guatemala, community weaver, also working on media. In media. Hola, ¿cómo estás, Ceci? Bien, mi amor. Gusto de verte. Qué gusto verte de nuevo. We have arrived at the last episode of season three, episode 36. Could you believe that? I know. 36. <laughs> 36. I mean, we've been talking for like 36 episodes. I mean. Well, we talk a lot. I'm, I'm fine with talking 36 more. But um, thank you, everyone, for out there for listening Uh, yes. and for commenting and for sending us DMs um, for the past three seasons, whether it is to, you know, support us or to critique us. We love all of it. And it is for you and with you that we're doing this. So mm -hmm. um, thank you so much. Uh, we, after this episode, we're going to be taking a short break to work on some more awesome content for all of you. And we'll be back with our season four on June 6th. Yeah. Um, so today we are super honored to have with us the amazing Maria Martinez. Welcome. María, bienvenida. Gracias, gracias, Clemencia, Ceci, por invitarme. Estoy bien emocionada por estar aquí con ustedes. Y um, just thank you so much for inviting me to join you for this conversation. Yes. Um, if you guys don't know María, María is a native of Newark, New York, and a daughter of Mexican immigrants. She's an organizer and political activist with experience on both electoral and issue advocacy campaigns. Right up my alley. She was recently the Latinx Coalition Director for the Democratic National Committee. And prior to that, she was deputy campaign manager for a New York City mayoral campaign and deputy political director at Climate Power 2020, where she led the campaign's Latinx outreach and strategy. I did some work with Climate Power in 2020 as well. Yeah, okay. um, yeah um, in, in 2019, she joined the Warren for President campaign as the Southwest Organizing Director before becoming the National Latinx Engagement Director. And in this role, she strategically organized Latinx communities across the country to get out the vote in support of 2020 presidential candidate Elizabeth Warren. What an awesome job that must have been. Uh, so fun, so fun. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Maria has also worked for 32BJSEIU, the New York State Attorney General, Congressman Sean Patrick Maloney, and the Rural and Migrant Ministry, where she joined the Justice for Farm Workers campaign at 15 years old, organizing youth across New York State to advocate for the Farm Laborers Fair Labor Practices Act. 15 years old. Started young. <laughs> Started young. You had much, 
you've had much fight in you since you were young. What an amazing career. Yeah, I mean, I at 15 years old, you know, my parents taught me that, you know, organizing our community, there's nothing better than that. That's amazing. That's a, what what an awesome lesson that you you could learn that from your parents. Mm -hmm. So, so happy that you could join us today. We're going to sort of jump right at back in right in into our topic today. So, as I hope, I hope that many of you out there know that this year we have midterm elections where we are electing uh, members of Congress and some governors. And what maybe some of you don't know is that midterms have historically had low turnout, which means that people, less people turn out to vote in midterms. Why that is? Many theories are out there and the jury's still out. Um, but this year is especially crucial to turn out the vote because Democrat majority in the House is razor thin. We only have Vice President Kamala Harris as a tiebreaker. So if we lose one, we lose majority. Um, and right now the Senate is majority Republican. As you have seen in the Obama era and many other Democratic president eras, having majority Republican Congress means nothing gets done. <laughs> so, um, Maria, why do you think it's so important to keep majority? Oh, man, it's... I think that, you know, everything is at stake right now. Um, we saw what happened under the Trump administration and, you know, we were seeing communities across the country being directly impacted by so many social disparities, you know, from education to healthcare to immigration, climate change, environmental justice. There's just so much that's directly impacting our community and, and overall communities of color. Um, you know, it's imperative that Latinos, you know, Latinos have been paying attention to the issues. But like you said, why is turnout so low during the midterms? And I think that's where, you know, people like us who are doing this work need to continue to organize our community. Um, there's so much that's, you know, at stake in, in November and there are several campaigns and the Democratic Party has been, you know, organizing uh, in these communities. But the reality is, is that, you know, it, it oftentimes feels like the Latino community is an afterthought. And, you know, we see this time and time again where, you know, our community, we're reaching out to them maybe three months, two months before an election. And so I'm glad we're having this conversation conversation because you know if we're fighting for things like DACA if we're fighting for things like you know women's reproductive rights if we're fighting for things uh, around economic justice and environmental justice you know there's a lot of things that we need to do to educate our community and reach out to the community um, and let them know that all of these things are at risk and 
we know that Democrats have been delivering for Latinos, but we also understand that there's a lot of work that needs to be done. And so having control and majority of Congress is crucial, so crucial, especially now and especially leading up to the 2024 election, because we're already thinking about that already. And it's just so, so imperative that Latinos pay attention and it's up to us to educate, inform and do the outreach now. Yeah, um, I know for a fact that, you know, I've been involved in many conversations about why it's so important to get Latinos out to vote. Um, there's many, many reasons like, well, for in terms of just like statistics, you know, let's just talk about like, you know, the, the most obvious thing we have the numbers. We mm -hmm. have the numbers to change an election. That's right. And we have seen time and time again that when Latinos go out to vote, elections change. So it's, uh, I, I don't know, and we, we've talked about this a little bit, you know, throughout uh, different episodes, but I don't think that people, uh, Latinos out there know how powerful they can be when they go out to vote. And um, I think that the fact that many years have been like to, to Maria's point, you know, they've been sort of called at the last minute and all of that has made them think that they're not important, but they truly, truly are. Yeah, I completely, completely agree with that. I think we saw these numbers in 2020, right? We saw Arizona, we saw the turnout in Georgia, we saw Nevada. And, you know, that did not happen overnight. It was all of the outreach and community organizing that organizations in those states have been doing for over a decade. And, you know, I applaud them. And because of them, you know, Latinos did turn out in, in record numbers. But, you know, I think that we, we should always, right, and continue to do that work and provide these organizations the resources necessary to continue to reach out to Latinos. And, and to, your point, to your point, empowering Latinos too, because their voice matters so, so much. And luckily we have so many powerhouses across the Latino political spectrum that are, you know, reaching out directly to Latinos and, you know, Senator Alex Padilla doing so much to, to reach the Latino community. And my tios and tias are, are in awe of, of just his background and history. And, you know, there are people like that who have great intentions and are doing everything they can to fight for Latinos every day. But like you said, empowering Latinos and demonstrating to them that the Democratic Party cares and we've always cared. Um, but again, it's reaching out to Latinos early on and educating them, informing them of all of the things that are at stake and also let them know that their voice is, is a tool, a powerful tool. And, you know, also ensuring that they come out to vote, especially in the midterms, because, you know, while, while the uh, presidential election is very very important state local mm -hmm. elections matter as well yeah and what do you think in your in your experience doing organizing for so long what do you think works the best when you're doing outreach with latinos what is that aha or like with the aha moments that not maybe just not one but several 
aha moments that you've had, you know, realizations of, you know, this works because yeah. I, I, I think that we all want to, you know, do that some yeah. more. <laughs> no, for sure. Absolutely. I mean, you know, I started when I was 15 in, in New York organizing the farm worker community and, and young people across the state, you know, majority who were young Latinos who, you know, were just getting involved in their community. You know, they, they had no idea that, that their city was, you know, um, being directly impacted by, by environmental injustices. And so, you know, when I would work or uh, directly with these groups or just hear their stories it resonated with me and then I realized I too am a victim and I too have been impacted and my parents have been impacted and one of the aha moments that I had was you know when I was working with with young people in New York you know, a lot of we were protesting for the New York State Dream Act at the time. And at the time when DAPA was part of the conversation, working with all of these kids and, and joining their immigrant justice fight. I later confronted my own immigrant justice fight and I realized I have a story. My story is powerful. And the importance of storytelling is just so, so powerful that other people immediately are drawn in because they resonate with you and they understand the pain, they understand the frustrations. And so because, you know, other folks might be, you know, afraid to even speak up or share their experiences, it's important that those, you know, those of us who have, you know, the ability to share these stories, um, you know, it's important for us to speak up because we need to be their voice. We need to be that, you know, we need to be front and center and be that voice for them because highlighting these crucial crucial issues and bringing, um, shedding light on the, on the issue will garner the attention of press and then candidates will pay attention and then politicians will pay attention and then it just starts a massive movement you know el, el pueblo unido is, is is a thing we've seen it over the years we've seen how movements have brought about change in our communities and those aha moments that i've had you know over over the years it's a beautiful thing because it's led to actual change passing the farm worker bill in new york passing the dream act in new york all of these things are real and the and and we have to remind ourselves why we do this organizing and this outreach in the first place letting latinos know that we too have suffered we too have had these experiences and we're here to hold your hand join you in the fight and continue to to do this every day until Los arriba escuchen, you know, until all of these electeds and candidates and politicians hear us. Maria, I hear you talk in, and I recognize how much this is a movement that is, you know, a grass, grassroots, bottom up, a lot of like neighbor to neighbor, you know, at this very horizontal. I, I myself find very few candidates that I am... Um, excited about i find that even democratic candidates sometimes are not really or they will come with a platform that is speak to our needs and then once people are empowered like so many of the latino things or so many of the things that could affect latinos have been kind of fallen from the by the wayside um of this administration like there and there are some low-hanging fruit policies that could be um 
implemented by the president and will have very real effect. We're mm -hmm. one of the communities that has been most affected by the COVID-19 pandemic. The Latina women have like like have very drop high dropout numbers from the employment uh, from, from employment. So why are we what are the things that excite us? What are the who is out there? How are, what why are these candidates not you know are they, I feel like they think that they have the vote and that also there is not real follow through. So why will we continue voting for them? If at the end, nothing is going to change. And that is what we've discussed so many times. Then someone comes and that feels that is much more blunt, much more uh, audacious, much more irreverent. And they go like, you know what? No one ever, everyone always says the same thing. Nothing ever changes. I'm going with that one. Even though it's not, it's not someone that will benefit us at all. If we might belong to the Republican Party, but like we are exhausted. I mean, I am like... <laughs> this is why I have Ceci on this podcast. No, I mean, listen, <laughs> yo entiendo la frustración. I mean, I'm not frustrated all the time. I'm just like tired from like, I don't, let, no, don't I mean, let. Real, right? we have to be real. Yeah. yeah, we have to be real. We need those reality checks. Like, okay, yeah. I've been streaming and kicking and yelling for so, so long, so many years. What's going on? No, I totally, I totally resonate with that. You know, I mean, how long have we been waiting for comprehensive immigration reform? You know, it's, I get it. Something lo lower, like, what would you do for our communities for like a student debt to be raised that's to some level you know and we think I, mean, of I, I, I have some theories you know I, <laughs> like uh, it's uh, you know and, and, and sometimes I've heard congress people say I have not heard from my constituents on their needs and if like people don't show up and like complain and you know specifically there's like this list of priorities right that the congress has and the people who are screaming the loudest like el que no el que no llora no come no come so it's like the the people that are screaming out the most or complaining the most those are the ones that go into priorities so it's like you know, I mean, and Maria, you please correct me if I'm wrong, but you know, the, the the point of like telling people to make their voice heard is because if the voices aren't there, they're not gonna do anything about them. That's, you know what, that's that's a good point. And, and I feel like I personally have experienced that where, you know, when I, you know, was working um, for a Congress member, you know, they were doing, um, you know, a lot of outreach to the Latino community, but it often felt like, you know, whether or not we were, you know, having daily check-ins or, or however, you know, often outreach we would make to the Latino community, you know, I took it upon myself to ensure that we brought in these Latino activists and people within this district because it's important to have that voice in the room and so you know this member of congress was very open with ensuring that we had representation in the room and so and like to to kind of um sidetrack a little bit which is why i truly believe that empowering our young people now and giving them the resources now paving the way for them now is extremely important because then they will then come in 
and be that representation that we need in the, on the inside if we're looking at it that way and you know for me it was a, it was a great experience being in that office because I was able to reach out to um, these big Latino organizers in the district and therefore we saw a lot more um, Latinos in the office you know we were able to talk more about certain issues we were able to um, just have more of a diverse room and so that was an accomplishment for me there but to Ceci's point where we're doing all of this work and we're doing all of this outreach and when we're doing all of these rallies and protests and the candidates are promising x y and z and it's taking years for us to see that you know i i don't know i mean i i see i i understand that and i feel like i've i've been on the other side where i'm rallying and i'm lobbying and i'm trying to get things done and, and hoping to make them understand and and make myself visible you know i, I have to keep pushing and, you know, I think that there's, you know, there are a lot of theories, right, that we can, you know, that we probably have around this, but, you know, it's, it can be discouraging. And because of the adversity that, that Latinos face, and in my case, when my parents were deported under the Trump administration, that was the, the, the fire behind my work. That was what drove me to continue to do this work, regardless of how, you know, upset or frustrated, angry I was. Because if I'm going through this, I, I immediately think about the children at the border who are being separated. And while it's taking years for us to accomplish comprehensive immigration reform or make it easy for refugees or asylum seekers to get status, you know, the fight's there and we have to continue doing that work and continuing to hold candidates accountable. You're going to say these things. You got to you got to deliver for us. I, I thought I mean, I agree with some points with some. I am, um, you know my deferred i think that this that these administrations and other administrations and the politically in the united states like we just saw we heard all the time about refugees there's now a, a, a war going on in this world there's refugees from ukraine coming to the mm -hmm. southern border and they are coming through and then there is still policies from the previous administration being implemented against brown bodies latino bodies in which we know that when there is willingness, there is possibility and avenue. So to me, it's always this question about like, I understand that pol polit politics are a dance, it's a compromise, it's a compromise in which neither you nor you nor you, neither one of us is gonna feel fully satisfied, it's a trade-off, right? All of us are gonna walk out of a, a room feeling a little unsatisfied because we didn't accomplish everything, but that is what the dance is. And at the same time, I feel like, there is some certain, like, we always <laughs> sitting at the chair, like, you know, we, we prepare the dance, we decorate the room, we play the music, we do the entertainment, and then we're not, we're sitting in a, you know, in a chair. So for me, but, but are we know? really, I mean, are we, are we, are there number, are there enough numbers sitting in places of power to, no, but to I voice our, to voice our needs? And this is where it's really important to elect also Latinos and Latinas and Latinx For sure. to positions of power because like as you as we mm -hmm. learned during the Women's History Month uh, series that we had, 
when women get to positions of power, then more things get passed for women yeah. that, that benefit women. So it's like, I, I don't know. I, 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 I agree with Maria and the fact that it's like, we can't give up and we also can't just like take things laid down. Like we, you know, and, and also <laughs> we can't expect other people to do things for us. Like we, we gotta sort of like take it ourselves. And this is where, you know, this is where I think the, the biggest, the biggest lesson for me has been in like in trying to engage Latinos. Like, mm -hmm. yes, yes, it's frustrating, but are we just gonna give up and just like disengage and not do anything? Or I don't know. It's like, do we just take things as they go? You know, and I don't. I'm not advocating for disengagement at all. I don't think we have it in us. I think that we are here. We're here to stay, and we're here to to keep pushing forward. Like that is just the nature, the baseline. What I am questioning is um, because we're talking about democratic candidates or, or like independent candidates or candidates from any, like looking at platforms and what platforms from any candidate. Um, you know, is presented and we decide that we're going to support with our time, with our volunteering time, with our support in dollars, $3, $5, because we, that also needs to be kind of taught to us, like, oh, we can contribute to a campaign. Oh, I can I can go to my representative's office and and, and ask for help. I, I have done that, right, in, in the moment. And, and I didn't know I could until someone was like, you should reach out to such and such, like, you know, immigration liaison. And I was like, oh, let me do that. And, and I did, right? Like, but if no one mentioned, if I don't have access to any of that, I don't know how, that I can do mm -hmm. it. So this is part of the outreach. And I think yeah. that we as community are getting better. But I also think we are burnt out. We are stressed from the pandemic. And on top of that, we have, we are the ones who've been doing the organizing and the candidates are not dedicating enough resources. We have talked about that before, how we are like a booty call at the end because we're, nos dan por sentado, right? Like we're given. But Latinos, you know, and, and now it has been proven that Latinos are swing voters, that we are not a whole group. And and I'm thinking of places like Arizona, where one of their senators is being one of the biggest, like, obstructionists for this administration. And what you know, and I know that there is Latinos like organizing heavily there to try to to change things. But like, I'm more thinking about like, is the Democratic Party getting the message? That's I guess where my question is coming from. Yeah, I think, you know, to add on to that, um, you know, it's, I think it's very, very important again that that voice in the room that will push our ideas and strategy forward on how to reach out to Latinos is extremely important, you know? And I think that candidates, campaigns, or whoever their staffers are, if they're not a person of color, if they're not Latino, they need to bring in those people to come in and talk about messaging, talk about the platform. Because like you said, you know, they have this platform and then Latinos as an afterthought, they say, well, this is how my plan is gonna impact Latinos. 50% of Latinos will be impacted by X, Y, and Z. But if we approach campaigns differently 
and incorporate how immediately you know their their climate agenda or environmental justice agenda is going to directly impact Latinos and and African Americans and API folks and you know whomever is thinking about that to then write your messaging and figuring out the, the, the statistics beforehand that will help you create a platform where it doesn't come off as I want to say pandering yeah. right because yeah. once we see candidates write their platforms then we say well the child tax credit has impacted Latinos. You know, while that's important data, I'm not saying it's not important data. What I'm saying is instead of it being an afterthought, it should definitely be incorporated from the very beginning and thought about from the very beginning. Um, And ensuring again that we have these voices in the room, right? And I think that 2020 was a big eye opener. I want to say 2016 was an eye opener, but I want to say 2020 yeah. was also an eye opener because we thought we saw Latinos turn out. And we also have to acknowledge the fact, too, that Latinos, we were seeing them shift a little a little to the right. And we have to realize, yeah. too, that, you know, what is the type of outreach that that we that needs to be done to ensure that they are, you know, becoming more left and also ensuring that younger progressives, younger Latinos are, you know, are aware that this is happening. And, mm-hmm. and, and I, you know, I think that a lot of people now, a lot of, at least the, the kids that I've worked with or a lot of other youth that I've worked with, you know, they don't even realize they're progressive until I bring up a certain issue. And I was like, whoa, like, you know, come join, come join the left, you know? (laughs) And so it's that type of outreach and conversations that we need to be having now. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you bring up a great point um, in the fact that young Latinos seem to be much more involved in, you know, politics or uh, civic engagement, you know, because like, it's so funny because statistically anglos it's the older people that get more engaged they're like they're the ones that are like voting and the ones that go to the town halls and they're the ones that like go and complain and talk to their congress people and older latinos have sort of like they're sort of checked out you know they're not really doing that um, it is the younger Latinos, so it's kind of like the opposite of the Anglos, that are the ones that are, you know, getting more in, in, engaged and mm-hmm. like more educated and they care more. So it's like, it's it's really exciting to me, definitely, but it's really crucial that we like play our cards right in order to, you know, because many of them don't, if, if their families have never been really engaged in politics, they're not going to even know like what is a progressive, you know, what is conservative, what does a city councilor do, what does a senator do? Like most people, like yeah. yes, there is a class in high school, and that but that that class is an advanced placement. I know because I took that class. That's the only way that I know, but it's not taught in regular classes like i don't i don't understand what or it's a college course (laughs) yeah which is an elective that nobody Mm -hmm. takes and like because it seems boring blah 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 and it's just you know young people are very uneducated they have to go out and look for the information on their own which is you know they already have so many things like coming out their faces that is it's hard so it's it's so important to play our cards right 
I have to say that I, I do appreciate, you know, your perspective about the importance of highlighting the impacts for our community in the messaging. I think that and we have said it and in, I've said it in this podcast many times that I don't feel the Democratic Party is as good and honing in with very small, very attractive and catchy talking points. They don't. They use Aaron. Like, I was like, I don't know why. <laughs> like, go find, you know, like, and that to me is really important. I think most people And I think we also communicate a lot by word of mouth. Es que la vecina me dijo, es que la tía dice que fulano. So I think mm -hmm. also adjusting that line. So we definitely, that's why grassroots work, because yes. that's why we have always built community. But we also believe the opinions of other the people that, that we know more than the opinions of, you know, of like a messaging we see for certain things. And I think that that's when, you know, to your point of, of generational differences, I think our genera older generations from Latin America are very much in the deep scare from the red scare from communists and like this idea of being leftist and most people yeah. don't understand what a communist is they couldn't right. like they wouldn't they couldn't tell you what that word means if you ask them yeah. <laughs> or the, what's I mean, the difference with the left socialist? here the left There's, here is there like, is no left in the United States we already discussed like this right. <laughs> it's in the center there is like four, there is four, the center four, and then there is like there is like There is like a hundred points over there to the yeah. right, and there's a hundred points over here to the left, yeah. and they're like center 10. No, center yeah, five. That's what Europeans tell me. Europeans are like, there is no left the, in the, the United States. The left in the US is not left. There's, there's not a left in the United States. <laughs> We have agreed to this. But there is ancient progressiveness, and I think that a lot of it has to do with messaging and the mm -hmm. how mm -hmm. scared our communities are like generations. I, I hear on my folks, I hear with friends of my you know, my parents when they're like, don't tell me that you're a communist and I'm like can you describe to me what is a communist what do you mean by a communist and they they can't right, right. there is an there is an image they might think of the movie they might think of like the Soviet Union like they yeah. might think in Latin America of Cuba or like it's Venezuela and I'm like that is a very bad like there is that a very extreme example extreme. of populism yeah. on the left mm -hmm. um, and, you know so like but there is also very extreme examples of populism on the right and we have one of them in yeah. Brazil for example so but but most of us don't understand so like I appreciate you bringing that children or like younger folks who might find themselves in a mixed status family recognize that they are caring that they want to transform things because they're looking for avenues for their own parents older siblings mm -hmm. tias and tios la abuelita like they are mm -hmm. they are uh, they're caring that with them and that sucks and they're also feeling like empowered and thinking how can I I'm gonna be able to vote for my family what am I gonna choose and also recognizing that they have, they've grown in, in in an era with we speak about many many things more openly whether people wanna say gay or not people understand mm -hmm. what LGBTQ community is they're not gonna put it back in the bottle So I think right. uh, our youth might not have that language and I appreciate you saying how important it is to organize them and include that generation. Because sure. if I think of one of the greatest climate change activism was, was a teenager. Yeah. Absolutely. 
and like and I I wouldn't you know one beautiful thing that I experienced in New York you know recently a few weeks ago um, not sure if you've heard of the excluded worker fund in New York State um, we joined excluded workers who marched from I believe they started in Long Island and ended in Albany you know to protest wow. Governor Hochul and we joined them on this march and everyone's chanting everyone's rallying and I'm with all of these young people who are 15 16 years old and I saw myself in them just marching you know joining the fight and it's it's funny because one of the kids invited their their mom to this and you know they love their kids so they're gonna apoyarlos uh, and everything right and the mom yeah. is like so de que se trata esto que es esto and like I'm, ex I'm explaining it right I'm explaining it as their son is like chanting and, and you know holding up this sign and it was just so beautiful to see that you know the love for our kids right we're so you know we're, we're always going to be there for them and support them and and be there for them that at the same time learn from them as well and i saw that there right there and then where this woman this you know una señora ya en sus cincuentas was like it was mm -hmm. her first march and she had no idea why she was there oh and now God. she's continuing to come out to these actions and it's like in a way you know, in order for us to get to, you know, older Latinos or even if moderate older Latinos, right? Um, this is a way, maybe it's through our kids. Yeah. And we're yeah. You know, informing parents and, and that's just strengthening our movement and our community. Yes, as soon as the door is open, you know, we're hoping that the light keeps coming yeah. in. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, so we this is all the time that we have uh, Maria thank you so much Maria. this was such an interesting awesome conversation no thank you thank both I, I love I love this I love the passion that we all have for this I mean we have so much work to do I know. I hear you speak. I was getting goosebumps, and I was like, "Ah, yes, this is." Exciting. I kind of want to go find the march right now. Just like said, <laughs> I think that they're well, going back to the to in, in public like climate uh, strikes on Fridays uh, in some in some places. I know that for a while they were like virtual, and I'm hearing that they're coming back. So I'm oh, really excited. Finally. So great. Yes. Thank Maria, you. is there a place um, that people can go to take a look if there's any protests or any any kind of rallies or any, you know, anything in their state, you know, anywhere, any kind of organization that they can reach out to? to see if they can get involved? Yeah, I mean, I would say, you know, what, well, the first question would be, what is something that you're super passionate about? You know, when, when I think about um, environmental justice, I immediately think about, you know, uh, Food and Water Watch in New York. And, and mm -hmm. you know, I'm thinking about New York because I'm from New York, so I think about all of these other EJ groups. But I would recommend, you know, start, you know, in your state. Think about, you know, what's important to you. If it's on immigration, look at, look up some immigrant rights groups mostly all of these groups have an events calendar and you can easily look up what they have going on mm -hmm. and if it's not in person virtual there are a lot of national organizations that are doing things every week if not every day um, you know 
I think about United We Dream. They're so awesome. They constantly have mm-hmm. actions going on. You know, if you're passionate about DACA immigration, you know, Sunrise Movement, they're always, uh, you know, out there doing so many rallies. I love them. Um, so I would start there, just thinking about what's important to you and, and you know, research some of these organizations in your state. I love yeah. that. Start with something that's important to you. That's I awesome. I think that that is super key to yeah. avoid burned out. Yeah. Just give your energy to the stuff that brings you more joy. Because we also yeah, celebrate Latino joy yes, all the time. All the every time. day. Because yeah. <laughs> that's what's going to give you the energy to keep going when things get tough. Absolutely. Yes. Okay. So, Thank you very much, right, Maria. Well, um, I appreciate before it. Before we go... Before we go, just wanted to remind all of you that this is the last episode of the season. We're going to be taking a short break to work on some more amazing content. We have some really awesome guests coming um, and we'll be back in June 6th. If you want to get in touch with Maria, her Twitter handle is at underscore Maria C. Martinez or C. Martinez. You got it. <laughs> uh, I got it. <laughs> and to get in touch with us, uh, NextYZ Pod on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. You can email me, Clem at latinxyzpod.com. And if you like this podcast or any other episode, please share it with your friends. If you want your friends to come and Protest with you. Share this episode with you so you can get them all pumped up. Everybody <laughs> to the protest. <laughs> exactly. And to and to Ana Maria so she can come to the protest with you. Excellent. Thanks so much out there, everyone. Gracias. Have a great, have a great rest of the month and welcome to the spring. Bye.